everyone, and welcome to the Barbell Mamas podcast. My name is Christina Previtt. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, researcher in exercise and pregnancy, and a mom of two who has competed in CrossFit, powerlifting, or weightlifting, pregnant, postpartum, or both. In this podcast, we want to talk about the realities of being a mom who loves to exercise. Whether you're a recreational uh, exerciser or an athlete, we want to talk about all of the things that we go through as females going into this motherhood journey. We're going to talk about fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum topics that are relevant to the active individual. While I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, I am not your pelvic floor physical therapist and know that this podcast does not substitute medical advice. All right, come along for this journey with us while we navigate motherhood together, and I can't wait to get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Barbell Mamas podcast. Christina Previtt here, and today we are going to talk a little bit about alcohol. So I feel like alcohol is kind of having a moment, but not in a good way. Uh, in that, I'm seeing more and more influencers, people in the motherhood space start to step away from alcohol. And I think it's really interesting. And so towards the end of January, there's a lot of individuals who are doing dry January and kind of maybe reflecting on their relationships with alcohol. I wanted to talk a little bit about my own personal journey and exploration with alcohol um, and just kind of get your all thoughts around kind of this relationship. I posted about it on social media a while ago on Instagram. And the response was legit overwhelming. I couldn't believe how many people were kind of taking this journey with me. And so I'm excited to kind of talk a little bit about alcohol, about uh, relationships with alcohol, standards of alcohol, breastfeeding and alcohol, but then also just some of my own personal stories and feelings as I've kind of gone through this motherhood journey. And so I'm going to kind of first declare as I have never been a person who has been a big drinker. I would 100% put myself into the social drinking camp. I would have a drink or two, a couple of drinks. If I went out with friends, I was not an everyday drinker, except maybe in COVID where Nick and I would have a glass of wine or a cider every night when we were having dinner because we were home. What else do you do? Um, But I have never been a person who is really consistently abused alcohol outside of college days. And so I'm not kind of coming into this conversation from an addiction side of things. That is a whole other can of worms, one that I am not an expert in and one that I cannot speak to. But my relationship has been more around the social drinking side of things. And Obviously, when I was competing as a national level weightlifter, like when I was getting ready for some of these big meets, alcohol just didn't serve my goals. It made it hard for me to recover. I was already pushing it really far. I was tracking all of my nutrition. But when I stepped away um, after my pregnancy from competing at that type of level, I still competed in weightlifting and it was super fun. But um Then I started getting more into kind of this social drinking side of things where I would have a drink or two with Nick at night or on the weekends, I would have one or two and that was fine. Right. So got pregnant, wasn't really a huge deal, but I wasn't drinking, started drinking a bit more casually, socially, obviously that postpartum period. And one of the questions that people 
ask is around, can you drink while you're breastfeeding? And the answer is yes. And a lot of people have debunked like the pump and dump where if you are drinking that you should um, excrete or pump your milk and then dump that first kind of um, that first uh, bit of milk that you have after you have had your drink. Um, A lot of that's been really debunked. Um, And the general rule of thumb is if you can drive a car, you can probably nurse. Um, individuals have their own risk tolerance with that, what they feel safe with. But, you know, I was never, when I was nursing, I was never drinking in excess again to just ensure that everything was, was good to go breast milk wise, but I didn't really have anything that bothered me, got pregnant with second baby. And then postpartum with my second kiddo, my relationship with alcohol really started to change and, I have lots of thoughts about why this was, but anyways, second pregnancy, when I was postpartum, what I started to notice was that every single time I drank, and I'm not talking about drinking in excess. I'm talking like one, definitely with two. The next day I started to feel sad, like Eeyore sad. And it was, I thought maybe it was because of, being postpartum and I was still nursing. Maybe my hormones were all over the place. Of course they were. And I wasn't sleeping. So all these things kind of fuel into recovery. And I was like, well, maybe that's, that's the reason. Maybe this is why I'm having such a hard time recovering from any alcohol in my system. And so kind of ease off drinking when I was nursing I nursed Quinn, my second for nine months, which I'm super proud of because I traveled on like 15 courses in those nine months, um, if not more, and was able to nurse him that whole time. So I was really proud of that. But then I finished nursing and I was like, oh, okay. So maybe like once my hormones kind of re-regulate, he was sleeping by a year, he was sleeping through the night and I started to have uh, a drink or two, uh, again, kind of socially. But again, I was noticing that I was really sad the next day. And, you know, there's like a little bit of like, you're not ideally recovered after drinking, but, and that makes it seem like it's an excess, but it wasn't. But the next day I felt like I was not showing up like the parent that I wanted to show up as. And it was really weird. Like these, these thoughts that are continuing to go through my mind, because there's a lot of constructs around drinking that are very socially acceptable in our culture. And when you think about being very sensitive to alcohol or, you know, being sad or having all the like 30 plus year olds hangover is no joke, but like, I so rarely got into that space where I was truly feeling hungover, but I was getting that like low mood and fatigue as if I had been drinking completely in excess. And so like a lot of these conversations started to happen in my mind of, is this worth it? And I was continuing to have this happen where, you know, if I drank once a month or once every couple of weeks, the next day I would feel really sad. And so I started to question for myself, 
if this was worth it. And it, it brought about a lot of reflection on different parts of alcohol in our culture. So one of them is around social acceptance or the fact that so often we use alcohol in social situations to make individuals feel more at ease. And that, I mean that in a couple of ways. One is how often do people say, oh, let's go out and get a drink because you don't want to have a meal, but you want to have a quick kind of connection point with somebody. So that's a, a big social construct. The second one is if you're not drinking and you're a female in a reproductive window, they assume that you're pregnant and I was not, and I have never struggled with infertility before, but I recognize how truly upsetting that can be. If you are a person who's struggling with fertility, if you're a person that doesn't really want to talk about their choices in pregnancy, their choices in getting pregnant. Um, So that was kind of construct number two. And then construct number three was around mom wine culture, around dealing with or kind of accepting the hardships of motherhood through drinking. And it was essentially doing the opposite for me where, yes, I would have obviously hard days with kiddos and parenting is the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, But when I was drinking, I wasn't recovering from the day. I was making my next day worse. And that just like didn't sit well with me. But kind of walking away from drinking has been a really interesting kind of thought because, you know, I, I always reflect on, you know, what's driving people's behaviors. Of course, I'm a scientist. So, um, I'm always thinking about that. And then I kind of went back to, and, and this is where I, I really chose to just pretty much step away from alcohol entirely is, you know, I thought how many people after a night of drinking say I made so much better decisions, around alcohol, um, or when I was consuming alcohol than I would have in other, in other situations. And, you know, I think a lot of people use alcohol as this crutch or as this escape as somebody who has done that a hundred percent myself. And, you know, to, to, for even a short amount of time, make some of the heaviness in our world feel a little bit lighter. And so it's been really interesting to have conversations with individuals. And I really feel so thankful for other influencers and other people on social media. You know, I always, I kind of hate on social media sometimes because it drives me insane, but that connection with people around their own personal journeys with having an increase in anxiety when they're drinking, having an increase in headaches, migraines, even when drinking little amounts, being very sensitive to alcohol, not feeling like they were showing up the way that they wanted to for their families. And that's in small doses with small amounts of alcohol. And so, um, you know, being a clinician who has seen individuals who have abused alcohol for a long time and seeing the family dynamics that happen as a consequence of that abuse, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be um, brought to the surface or, makes other people feel uncomfortable when you're talking about stepping away from, from alcohol. And, you know, this becomes a little bit more complicated in my own story. And I really do not want to dive into it because I don't feel comfortable, but I have had a situation in my life where alcohol was part of the circumstances that led to an unwanted sexual encounter for me. And that 
really, as I was thinking about my own personal experiences, I know a lot of my friends have had those moments where a sexual advance has been unwelcome because of a lot of things. And that is not putting the blame on me or anybody else, but, um, alcohol was a part of that equation and it made me, uh, for a really long time, not recognize it for what it truly was, which was that unwelcome sexual experience, um, because I was blaming myself. And so like that kind of unearthed for me as well as I was kind of going through my own kind of personal reflections and journeys around, um, dealing with alcohol. So kind of, where are we now in, in 2024. Um, and I kind of share this journey with you to try and kind of normalize self-exploration around, you know, what your thoughts and feelings are, what your acceptable levels are. Um, but I feel like alcohol, there's been this turn away from it. And I feel like that in obviously the health and fitness space, because a lot of individuals who are trying to lose weight or whatever, step away from alcohol, because, one alcohol has a, a caloric, uh, you have calories associated with alcohol, but then two, it also brings inhibitions down. You end up eating and snacking a lot more while drinking than if you aren't. Um, but I also feel like there is this step away in some of the mom cultures away from that mommy wine culture. And I'm kind of here for it. You know, um, we live in a really stressful world. Um, I know that there's so many moms, especially I think more since the pandemic, though it was a big problem before dealing with anxiety and depression, high amounts of stress and burnout and alcohol has been one way that people have leaned on to manage stress. And I think there are different modalities that are coming up that people are exploring. And, and I'm really excited in my own personal journey and with my clients to be able to have those conversations a bit more readily and easily around things, you know, like cold plunging. I don't really use cold plunging as something that is related to my physical recovery, but more for my mental clarity and alertness. Um, individuals are using mindfulness and breath work, um, therapy, right? We are totally okay with using a personal trainer to help us with our physical health journey, but sometimes it can be stigmatized to use a therapist to help with our mental health journey, which in my mind, it's just an equivalence of a different type. Um, and so there's been this big kind of shift away and, and working towards other ways to manage stress. And I know that I have been on my own journey of being this like chronic overworker who, you know, uses, used alcohol as a stress relief and escape when, you know, my world around me was getting heavy and kind of to, to bring this full circle, um, Canada in the last 12 months released a new updated guideline that I really think brings to light where our space and where our health uh, public health individuals and organizations are starting to go. So in the United States right now, the standard or like the healthy amount of alcohol is seven to 14 standard drinks per day, which is like a five ounce glass of wine, six ounce glass of beer, one ounce of hard liquor. Um, and that's from some um, epidemiological data. So it took individuals and they followed them over time. And they saw that individuals who were having one to two drinks per day were 
at the peak of their health outcomes as compared to those who drink no alcohol and those who drink in excess or have, you know, binge drinking uh, types of behaviors. And that has been challenged in the last couple of years, which I think is super interesting because I saw it in my own research with older adults as well. And so the reason why it's being challenged is because there are what we call confounding variables or other things that individuals who tend to socially drink may have that other people do not. And so what I mean by that is that those who are having one or two drinks a night, they may be those persons who don't live alone or have a bigger social network. And we see social isolation and loneliness is on the rise across a lot of age demographics, but is also a really big predictor that loneliness of a lot of health issues. And we are social creatures and alcohol can be a conduit for social engagement and interaction. And so when you take that into account, the benefit of that one to two drinks per day starts to go down. And so what the Canadian guidelines said was that the best amount of alcohol for a person to have is none. And as soon as you go over, they said one to two drinks per week is probably okay. And anything above that, the risk for different health conditions starts to go up. And in that low amount, right in that three plus drinks per week, that would still be well underneath the American guideline, the risk starts to increase for things like cancer. And I sent this to my family and they're like, I knew you would. Cause I've been talking so much about like my own journey with alcohol and how it hasn't been making me feel good. And, um, and so I think we're going to see more and more of the guidelines start to follow suit with the deeper amount of analysis that we're doing around alcohol. And from a physiology perspective, especially for, I shouldn't say, especially for moms, but I feel like it's definitely true as a person who is a mom is we are riding that wave of being under recovered all the time. We are always fighting to get better nutrition and hydration and manage stress and get enough sleep. And we're always flirting with that under recovered line. Alcohol so significantly impacts our recovery, right? We have a hard time. Like a lot of people think that it's a sleep aid, but it isn't because it helps us fall asleep, but it doesn't help us get into that restorative sleep pattern that we need in order to feel better in the morning. And so that's why the fatigue can come in even with small amounts of alcohol the next day, not kind of going into the realm of having a hangover, but having poor recoveries, you're not getting that deep restorative sleep. And with moms, I, I think that that was what made me so sensitive and go down this journey because I was training, you know, 10 hours a week. I was getting up in the middle of the night because I had a little one. I had two little kids at home. I was traveling for work. I was flipping time zones all the time. And that made me aware of my sensitivity to alcohol, where maybe if I had a bit more reserve in the tank, a bit more recovery in the tank, I wouldn't have noticed as much and I wouldn't have been as sensitive. But once I recognized that relationship, it was hard to ignore. And so I was going into these situations where I was having a drink, knowing that even with one I was going to feel like crap the next day. And it's really hard to go into those behaviors being like, Hmm, 
I know that this alcohol might take a, taste good in the mo- moment, but I'm going to sleep like crap and I'm going to feel horrible the next day. And it, it became a really easy thing for me to start stepping away from. And so the interesting part now is I kind of, you know, didn't really drink a lot over Christmas. I think I had one drink over the holidays and I did dry January, but it kind of felt like nothing, but it's interesting because where my brain is going is people ask, do you drink? And my knee jerk reaction now is to say no, but the, the patterns that so many of us women and mamas have with with saying that you don't eat something is that you start thinking about it more, which is interesting, right? Because you're, that's, that's very, you know, there, there's like an addictive part to that too, even though there isn't an addictive pattern that's underlying. But as soon as you say, I'm on a diet and I'm going to never eat processed sugar, all you crave is processed sugar. And I was finding that too, as soon as I was like, I don't drink ever, then I was like, well, maybe I do want to drink. Am I missing out on something? And I would go into these crazy loops, crazy for me, that I was recognizing as something negative or something that could potentially be detrimental to me. And so I'm not in the no alcohol zone, but I'm in the severely restricted and maybe one or two times a year, I will have a drink. I think that's where I am at. And when I posted about this online, I had a lot of people who were saying, you know, I haven't touched a drink of alcohol in this amount of time or that amount of time. And I may get into that camp because I am not missing it. And I love getting up in the morning after, you know, on a Saturday, Sunday morning and feeling so good and so ready. Um, I'm still under recovered. I'm a mom with, with two kids under five, but, um, it, it feels better to me and I feel better about those decisions. So if you are a person who is going into this phase of your life where you were kind of having those, those conversations with yourself and you're starting to think about these things. And my husband and I have had these conversations too, because when you stop drinking, it almost feels like your spouse or partner may feel like there's that pressure on them to start stop. And, you know, it's just super interesting, like all the, this, the social constructs that come up when you're, when you're having these conversations. And obviously that's not what I want him to do at all. And I want him to have his own exploration, but, um, it it is interesting to see some of the conversations that you have. Um, but you know, finding friends who alcohol was not a big part of their connection or their relationship with us was unbelievably helpful. And so if you want that connection, all this to say is reach out, like you are not alone in having these conversations and, and having these explorations. And what, by stepping away, one of the things that I promised myself in 2024 was to find ways to one, not feel bad about resting and resting doesn't have to be drinking and be able to find habits and hobbies that I love just for me. And one of them for me has been reading. And so I'm going to finish off this episode with something completely unrelated to alcohol and our topic area. But I have been obsessed with the Sarah Moss books. Um, And the new one comes out today when this episode is being released on the 30th of January. And if I have any like uh, Court of Thorn and Roses or Crescent City fans, let me know because I've been posting about it on social media and the engagement that you all have had with me and like the, 
the responses about you all being obsessed with this book is amazing. So maybe instead of like mommy wine culture, we do like mommy book club where we all connect over books or other things that we're doing for our own health, for us, for our self-care that have nothing to do with our children. And trust me, this is not a G-rated book. There are some spicy scenes in this that I did not know. Like, it's almost like, I don't know, maybe aging myself, but when Fifty Shades of Grey came out and you were reading it in a public place and everyone's like, I know what you're reading. (laughs) I know what is in that book. Um, And so my husband's been calling this my smutty fantasy book. And this is not usually the type of book that I I read. Like, I, this is my first kind of exploration into fantasy genres outside of like Harry Potter. But um, so exciting to, to have these different outlets that make me feel just good and rested and like I'm doing something for self-care that has nothing to do with making me feel worse. If you all want to start that mommy book club, let me know because I think that would be an epic thing, Barbell Mamas. And we could do it like uh, self-development and fiction, like alternate back and forth. I think it'd be so fun. I have all these like wheels spinning in my head about this. Um, but just something for fun and not something for any type of development in any way, except exploring our own relationships with ourselves and our own health, um, and longevity. So if you are interested, let me know. Otherwise, I hope you all found this uh, episode helpful. Again, a lot of, um, personal reflections and explorations, but definitely something that I know that I am not alone in. And the more I openly talk about this, the more I realize that there are a lot of people having these conversations who are at various degrees of change or thoughts around behavior change. And so wherever you are in your journey, or if you still enjoy alcohol and and you want to keep doing that, all the power to you. I think that's so great. Um, For me, it just wasn't worth it. But I think that a lot of people can uh, enjoy alcohol and not have the same sensitivity to it that I do. Um, and yeah, I just think it's, it's a wonderful conversation to have at the beginning of 2024. So if this is part of your New Year's resolutions, let me know. Otherwise I am dawdling to keep talking to you all, but have a great rest of your week and we'll see you all next time.